Father, thank you for preserving a copy of your word in our language. We're grateful that we're not like the peoples of 2,500 plus languages still waiting after all these years for their first copy of your word. But for hundreds of years, we have had in our English language your precious, holy, perfect word. And yet, Father, forgive us because we seldom open it and read it and memorize it and meditate on it and live it. Forgive us. And remind us of what a treasure we have and have had for so long. Help us to treasure your truth. Do not waste a day leaving it unopened and untreasured. And as we open your word today to preach, to hear your word preached, we pray that it would take root in our hearts and bear fruit in our lives. For Christ's sake, amen. Well, most of you know that I love music. I thank God for music. God has used music to shape my life in very important ways. And yes, that includes Christmas music, especially the Christmas carols that the church has been singing for hundreds of years, for centuries. There's something about our contemporary culture that I don't like, and that is our contemporary culture lends itself to be a throwaway culture. A culture that lacks staying power, that too quickly moves on from that which we should hold on to. We too easily get bored and disenchanted, even, even with powerful, life-changing truth. But there is something about the old hymns of our faith, including the old Christmas carols. They're just timeless classics that never get old, at least to me. And we find it very difficult to improve on these timeless concepts of Christmas, Christmas carols. And I think it's difficult to improve on them because they are built upon the everlasting word of Almighty God. So please open your Bibles to our first scripture passage found in the Old Testament, Haggai chapter 2, verse 7. Today I want to talk to you about the timeless Christmas carols and the timeless word of God upon which they were written. Haggai chapter 2, verse 7. I bet you haven't read anything from Haggai in a while. Haggai chapter 2, verse 7 in the Old Testament. Haggai is one of what we call the minor prophets, not because he's unimportant, but because his, the volume of his work is so much shorter than the major prophets. Haggai chapter 2 verse 7 says, I will shake the nations and the desired of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Haggai was a prophet of God who spoke prophetic messages to God's people. His people Israel, 500 years before Christ was born in Bethlehem, Haggai was prophesying 
these words. Haggai's ministry took place during the end of the time when Israel, the end of the time when Israel was exiled in Babylon, and while they returned to rebuild Jerusalem. And God is here saying to Israel that there is coming a time when he will shake or greatly disturb the nations of the world. And at the same time, the desired one of all the nations will come forth. Can you think of the wonderful Christmas carol that was in part inspired by this text? Imagine if you were one of the, the, the exiled Israelis living in the strange land of Babylon. All your life growing up in Israel before the war that led to your exile in Babylon, you were told that God would one day send the Messiah to save the Israeli people. And everyone in your family believed this prophecy. And you heard it from your rabbi. Your grandparents taught you this. Your parents reminded you of this prophecy. You sang songs about this prophecy. But then came war. And Israel lost the war. And though you were spared, you were taken away from the promised land of Israel, far away to the strange pagan land of Babylon. You knew the war was a result of Israel's many sins and rebellion against God. And then for years, all you ever wanted to do was to return back to your home of Israel, the promised land. The greatest desire was for Messiah to come and rescue you and your fellow Jews from exile and to take you back to the land flowing with milk and honey. You wanted the forgiveness of God for your sins and the peace of God, His shalom over your life and the life of your people, Israel. You wanted to see and experience the glory of God once again in the temple in Jerusalem, just like you did as a child growing up. Finally, finally, King Cyrus of Persia, who ruled the Jewish people under exile, decreed your release and returned to your, he returned you to your divine promised land to rebuild your temple and to rebuild your capital city, Jerusalem. But still, still, you must wait for Israel's Messiah. And so you cling to the words of the prophet Isaiah who wrote by divine inspiration these comforting words, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. A few thousand years later, after Messiah had come, Charles Wesley, studying these Bible verses, penned this poem, which was later set to music and became a famous and favorite Christmas carol. This Christmas carol celebrates the first advent of our Messiah, Jesus Christ, and, and then he calls us to eagerly anticipate his second coming. 
If you know this song, maybe you can sing it with me. Come the long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. means 
God with us. And Luke records the words of the angels echoing the Old Testament prophet saying, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. Luke says this in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. And after Christ was born in Bethlehem, Matthew records in chapter 2, 1 and 2 of his gospel, that some wise men from the east, they came. They worshipped him. Luke tells us in the second chapter of his gospel that after the angels gave the good news of Jesus' birth to the shepherds, the shepherds also came and hurried to go and see this amazing thing that had happened there in Bethlehem. Verse 20 of Luke 2 says that they, they left the manger scene glorifying God at what they had seen and heard. Is it any wonder that a simple layman by the name of John Wade in 1744 wrote this next carol after studying these scriptures. He wrote it originally in Latin, and it was sung in the Catholic churches in Europe long before it was translated in English and used in the Protestant churches. You know what its title is? O Come, All Ye Faithful. If you know it, sing it with me. O Come, All Ye Faithful. Joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Oh, Lord, 
adoration. Not for the presence, but for the incredible gift of the Christ child. Born in a lowly manger in Bethlehem. This next Christmas carol focuses on the astonishing titles and offices to be held by this Christ child and by extension his incredible life mission. For example, look what the Apostle Luke recorded about the shepherds after they had made their pilgrimage to Bethlehem. In Luke 2.17, he writes this, When the sh they had seen him, the shepherds that is, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. When the shepherds had seen him, him who? The Christ child. What did they do? They spread the word about what they had been told about this child. Which child? The Messianic child who was born to save the world. What do you think the shepherds were told about this child? Do you think they were told all about his many titles and offices that he would hold? No shepherds. Y'all not going to believe this. But this child, he's going to bring about world peace someday. This child is going to rule the world someday. This little baby will one day save the world. They say he's going to, they say he's the king of kings and lord of lords. Listen, this baby's going to walk on water and raise the dead. You hear me? Shepherds are probably looking around this old raggedy stable thinking, oh snap, what's up? This is how the new kings roll? Like this? I don't know, this ain't, this ain't so dope to me. I don't know what the shepherds were thinking. All I know is they left having seen and heard, they left rejoicing and spreading the good news. In 1865, a guy named William Dix of Scotland, a successful insurance salesman, he was a layman in his church. He fell into a deep depression, and it was there that God met him, and he experienced God's grace in the midst of his depression in remarkable ways. And he emerged from that depression and wrote this next Christmas carol after studying these scriptures. It was the same year that our Civil War ended here in the U.S., 1865. The title of the carol is What Child Is This? What child is this? If you know what, sing it with me. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? 
I don't think the psalmist had the first advent in mind when he penned this passage of Holy Scripture. But the way it struck Isaac once when he read it made him think of all the joys of Christmas. Psalm 98 only has nine verses. Listen to this compelling invitation to us. And then think about the Christmas carol that might have been inspired by this old psalm. Psalm 98 reads this way. Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blasts of the ram's horn. Shout for the joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Wow. Amazing. Did you notice how comprehensive the participation of the joyful praise is to be? All of heaven and earth shall sing and praise the Lord with great joy. Not just any old joy, great joy. In fact, in the New Testament, We'll read a scripture in a minute where it says they, they rejoice with great joy. That's the word. The Greek word is mega. That's where we get our word mega. Don't be confused with maga. That's something else. Mega. Like mega millions. It comes from the Greek word mega. It means great, big, unbelievably huge. Did you also notice the reason for such jubilation? In Psalm 98 it says, God has remembered his love toward us. He, we have witnessed his salvation and his salvation is based on righteous justice and equitable judgment. Two brief New Testament passages also give us hints of this final carol. In Luke chapter 2, 9 through 14 it says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news, and there it is, mega joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a mega company of the heavenly hosts appeared. Same word. Great company of hosts. That's the word mega in the Greek. Mega company of hosts appeared with the angel praising God saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
Notice the emphasis on mega joy and mega glory. In 1719, Isaac Watts first published this Christmas carol in his hymn book under a different name. But in 1742, an American church musician named Lowell Mason adapted this hymn using some parts of Handel's Messiah. And then joy to the world was born. Let's stand as we sing this. We've already sung it in our service, but let's stand and sing it in closing. Philip, you want to play this one for us? That would be fabulous.
he becomes Lord, he is also then your Savior. You can't have one without the other. Some people want Jesus as Savior to be saved from hell and the consequences of sin, but they don't want Jesus as Lord. Because you see, then that means it's his will be done, not their will be done. But I have to tell you that you can't have him as Savior without also having him as Lord. And so if you want to trust Christ as Savior, know that he comes also to reign and rule in your heart. So why don't you confess Christ as Savior and Lord today? Just welcome him and ask him to take up residence on the throne room of your own heart. Help us to love like Him. Help us to forgive like Him. 